Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I don't know what the sound situation is going to be right now. I have moved to a new hotel in a new country since we last spoke. I'm in Dakar, Senegal. I'm staying at a really nice hotel, Oceanside Property. And I got an ocean view room. I leave my blinds open at night and I wake up to the sun rising. Literally, like it looks like it's, it's performing just for me in my room. It's gorgeous. That said, my room is also overlooking the pool and it's overlooking the dining area. And there is a live band tonight. So I don't know if you can hear it. I've tested the sound a couple of times and it doesn't seem like my mic is picking it up, but it's bizarre to me because it's super loud to me. But the band is playing right now an excellent rendition of just the two of us. Just the two of us. You can make it if we try. Just, okay, you know what I mean? And because, you know, I'm in West Africa and there's drums. So there's somebody like on some some go-go level Congos right now. It's amazing. I wish you could hear it, but apparently you can't. I don't understand the concept of sound. Three years into a podcast, I'm still figuring it out. I think if I had like my bigger mic, because my big mic picks up everything, you could probably hear it. But I'm recording on my iPhone because carrying my big mic on little planes doesn't really go over so well because it's so heavy. So I'm recording on my iPhone and I guess you can't hear it, but it's beautiful. I promise you. I don't know if my day is finished. It's like 8 p.m. here in Dakar, um, which is five hours ahead of the East Coast. I don't know if my day is done, but I know that what has happened so far has been an epically 10 day. I got a good workout in this morning, one on purpose, the second accidentally. There is a gigantic monument here. I think it's the biggest one in Africa. It's called the African Renaissance Monument. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, look it up or just go to my social media pages. By the time this podcast goes up, I probably would have posted pictures from it. But that was our first stop of the day. We got into Senegal late last night, so we didn't do anything but hang out at the hotel. 
But our first stop of the day was the African Renaissance Monument. It is huge. It's like, to me, it looks bigger than the Statue of Liberty, but it may not be. But just in terms of like scope and size, it's in that realm of bigness. Like it's large. It depicts a black family, man, woman, child. The woman has her hand pointed towards the past, metaphorically. She's pointed down and the husband has the woman by the waist and she's behind him. And then he has the kid sort of, it's a young boy hoisted up on his shoulder and the kid is pointing north, literally towards the sea, but metaphorically towards the future. Um, It's a really powerful statue, sort of. This is a statue that I've really wanted to see for quite some time. I think they started building it, if I remember correctly, from the exhibit today in 2008. It took several years to build. I didn't know about this statue until maybe 2017, 18, something like that. But Senegal was high on my bucket list, largely because I wanted to see this statue. You know how I get, like I get very nerdy and I start deep diving into things. And so I was looking up information on this statue. I think I might've posted it on my Instagram page like forever and a day ago. Actually, I'm positive I did because I remember the comments. Like I was so enamored with the statue because to me, it was such a powerful statement of Africa in Renaissance, right? And many of my readers who were more well-versed and also more familiar with the statue was like, do a little research because the statue was really controversial. And so when I saw it today and just after being in Senegal for less than 24 hours at the time, immediately I got it. So Google the picture of the statue. You can stop now and go. I'm not going to wait, but just go ahead and pause. Come back. The man in the statue doesn't have a shirt on. It's a very like ripped black dude, which just the general observation, these men are, they, they still narrow, but they're, but they're very wide at the top, very narrow in the middle. Everyone looks like they work out and eat well. But even we were driving back to the hotel at dusk, there were like tons of people running along this waterfront. It's a very fit, fit culture. Think like Miami or even like Venice Beach on that same waterfront where everyone was running. We passed by this outdoor gym, for lack of a better word. But just like the gym that's in Venice Beach, it's a very famous outdoor gym. But it's something like that, except maybe, I don't know, a block's worth or two of of gym equipment is serious and it was all in use. They take fitness very, very seriously here, men and women. So the statue being ripped is kind of reflective of the culture. I will say this though, I didn't see any man today that didn't have his shirt on when he was walking around. Senegal is, they have a little bit of every religion here, but it's overwhelmingly a Muslim culture. It's pretty conservative. So a guy with his shirt off in public doesn't really go with the image overall of Senegal or Africa in general, since it's called like the African Renaissance Monument. Just from the places that I've visited in Africa, and I've been to, I think, nine or 10 different countries, just as an overall culture is very conservative, especially in comparison to the United States. The women don't walk around, not during the day, don't walk around half dressed, even in the non-Muslim countries. Ghana's not a Muslim country, but the women are still pretty covered during the day. You don't see cleavage and you don't really see me, to be quite honest with you, until after dark. But every country I've been to is pretty much the same way. Ghana is probably the most minimally dressed place that I've been in West Africa. So the idea of like a, 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 a man with a bare chest as a statue is it's not in sync with the culture. The woman, 
purely out of sync. I'm just like, I don't even understand how this got built. So the woman has on a top that is, let me look at this picture again, just to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm describing it correctly. The woman has on a top that I think only goes over one shoulder. Her entire arm is out. I think a bit of her midriff is also showing. And she has on this skirt that's blowing in the wind. And on one side of it, like the longest part of it is not even to her mid thigh. And the other part of it is because it's it's billowing. The skirt is like up where her kind of like her underwear would be. So it's like a whole bare leg. It doesn't represent the image of African women that I've seen on the continent. It's actually to me giving very almost like Tarzan. And I hate to say that about the statue because it's something that I think Senegal is very proud of. What it represents, the meaning that the statue is supposed to have represents something very powerful for the continent. But just looking at this image, I was like, also the man's outfit, his whole thigh is out too. And he has on what looks like loincloth. It's just not representative of African people that I've seen on the continent. They're a very well put together, well-dressed, mostly covered continent of people. And let's just speak specifically for Senegal, where this statue is placed. No one walks around like this. I don't even, I don't even think people walk around their homes like this. It's loincloth. Like the man is wearing loincloth. And I was like, people of Senegal and every other country I've been in in Africa, like wear clothes. And it's not just me making this observation. I mean, this is a, a common complaint about the statue. Like who, who is this representing? Like, I mean, it sounds good in theory. African family moving towards a prosperous future. Like, I mean, that's a great thing. But I was like, just the execution of this is. I still took a picture. I still think it's powerful. I just also think it's problematic. But that's how the day started. So we went there and there's like, I didn't count the number of steps, but it was a zillion. When you see the picture, you'll see. I was like, wait, I worked out this morning. Had somebody told me that, that this was that I was going to walk like minimum, minimum 100 steps and not short steps, minimum 100 steps. I was like, I would have just skipped the treadmill this morning. I would have let this be my cardio for the day. So now I feel like I've done double cardio. But the views were amazing. Senegal actually looks to me like, oddly enough, Istanbul. Istanbul meets West Africa with a, a dose of Europe which actually totally makes sense. Senegal was uh, colonized by the French and it is in West Africa and it is very Muslim, but it's beautiful here. I really, really, really like it. And I swear if I spoke fluent French, I would probably live in Abidjan or, or, or Dakar. I like it here equally as much and maybe just a smidgen more so. This sounds so bad. Don't hate me, Ghana. I might like Abidjan and, and Dakar slightly more than I like Ghana. The infrastructure is better. One of the things I did today that made it a 10 is I, I went to a grocery store and I bought a bunch of toiletries that I can't find in Ghana. It's not that Ghana doesn't have them anywhere or Accra doesn't have them anywhere. I just don't always know the right places to look. Even the good grocery stores in my expat neighborhood don't always have the things that I need. But this place had like everything. And I was like, I'll be taking this. I'll be taking this. I'll be taking this. Super glue still eludes me, but I'll find it. Oh, okay. So, so 10 day after I left the statue, we went to Black Rock, 
which is Kahendi Wildy, aka the artist that did Barack Obama's official portrait. You know, the one he's sitting in the chair and there's like all this greenery. It's almost like cartoon level greenery in the background. He's one of my favorite artists. He did an exhibit for the Brooklyn Museum. I want to say 2014, 2015, something like that. And I just completely fell in love with him. Doing the Obama portrait was just like the icing on top. But he has an artist residency and a beautiful home here in Senegal. I knew it existed. I had this idea in my head that I would apply for the artist residency and I'm still going to. But then I also saw photos of the residency and his home in Vogue. If you haven't ever seen them, it's worth a Google. But his house is absolutely beautiful. The artist's residency is absolutely beautiful. It's even more beautiful in person. I had to call in a favor, Bevy. Bevy who loves lambs. Mother, auntie, sister, Bevy. Actress, Bevy. TV personality, hosting, Bevy. That Bevy, Bevy Smith. Um, I had to call in a favor to Bevy. And I was like, so, fairy godmother, I need a favor. Please and thank you. She's a friend of Kahende's. She was like, so my lamb is going to Senegal and wants to visit Black Rock. So he was like, okay call this person. So I did. And I went to BlackRock today. It was amazing. He has no art of his actual own in BlackRock. Like I just knew it was going to be like a living museum of his work, not nary a piece, but um, tons of pieces from the artists who have been in residency there. And they are some talented mofos, like amazing photographers, amazing painters, people from all over the world. It was absolutely gorgeous. Part of it is his private home. And then also, you know, like where the artists stay. Didn't want to be an asshole and just like walk around with my camera out filming his whole home. So I didn't. So I don't have a bunch of pictures. I just have like the iconic outside, like the gigantic door, like the door to get into the actual residence. Because there's a door for the compound and then there's a door for the residence. The door for the residence is like, it's one of them Smithsonian and DC type doors. And I've seen some other people who've been to Black Rock always take a picture in front of that door. So I was like, okay, this is like the iconic door photo. So we took a picture in front of that. But otherwise, I didn't take pictures inside the home. But it's beautiful. I'm more excited about the artist residency now than even I was before. I mean, I want to, you know, live in Senegal and I want space to, you know, create and figure out whatever I'm working on. But I also just want to, you know, live well. They got a whole spa in there. They got a whole gym. They also do French and Wolof classes. Wolof is the common language of Senegal. You can get by on French, but everybody prefers Wolof. They have like 30 staff people. Five of them are just assigned to do constant maintenance because Senegal is right on the water. The humidity and elements from the water just corrode everything. So they have like five maintenance people who are just constantly, you know, fixing, updating, maintaining the residence. So it looks, you know, spanking brand new. It's like some whole Disney shit. It was dope. I met two of the residents. One was a writer. The other one was a mixed media artist, mostly painting though. Really, really dope women. And I was like, I, I want to, I think I want to live here in the writer space. Like it was very bare because, you know, writers don't need distractions when they're trying to work, but there's a gigantic window facing the ocean. In the brief time I was there, I found it very inspirational as, as an artist. So I'm going to apply to get into the residency. Um, and even if I don't, I just think I want to be in Senegal, specifically Dakar, because it's dope. And then after we left there, we got it because we were starving. Um, we asked for we asked our guide for a recommendation. And they were like, oh, this place, Coco Cabana, like it's right on the beach and the food is amazing. Food is amazing is an understatement. This is the best meal I've had the entire time I've been on the continent. And I've had amazing meals. 
I've had amazing, like, oh my God, I can't believe this is food type meals. Today's meal, it was shrimp curry or prawns because prawns and shrimp are apparently not the same thing, although they look identical, but stay with me. Um, But it was prawn curry with rice and some sort of sauce. It was magical. I gave some to Will and I was like, oh my God, try this. And he was like, no, I'm good. Like I got my own food. And I was like, no, try this. And he took a bite and was like, holy shit, it was that good. Then we went shopping afterward. I told you I got my Dove products and then we just came back to the hotel. It wasn't like a super packed day, but you know, like a, a, a quality day. So tomorrow I think we're just going to do a bunch of museums. At some point I have to go to Gory Island, but also I just need like a day of nothing. Cause I feel like one of the things that I always do when I travel is I'm always just like, gotta be here, gotta be here, gotta be here, gotta make the most of you know my time. There's so much to see and when will I get back here? But I also just need a day to just like be in nothingness and just enjoy Senegal, enjoy the beach, enjoy the sun, enjoy the weather, enjoy the sounds, enjoy the people. And that's it. So maybe Friday, I got to be back in Ghana for Sunday because the first group of travelers arrived. Remember, I, um, I put together that season world trip with Davida, um, the one that sold out in like four minutes and everyone cursed me out because they were like, I didn't get a spot. That one. But the first group of travelers arrives on the 21st, which I'm super, super excited about. But I got to get back to Ghana to host them. And then also Davida told me, she's like, yeah, I bought a one way ticket to Ghana. And I was like, wait, who are you staying with? And she was like, you. And I was like, I mean, OK, thanks for letting me know. Not that I care. I mean, it's like Davida and the sheets on the bed are fresh, as is her bathroom. So it's not a, it's not a thing. I was just like, oh, all right. I just ain't know. I told her she could come and stay whenever she wanted. And so I guess, you know, she just decided like. I'll be staying now. And I was like, um, okay. I do the same shit to her when I go to Atlanta, so I can't say shit. I'll be like, um, I need you, one, to pick me up from the airport, two. And two, I'm, you know I'm staying at your house. I'm like, um, okay, sure. Sisters, it's life. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What is going on on the American side of the world? I've been up since five o'clock this morning. I don't know how I still have any kind of energy because the place that I had like the great prawns also had great caparinas and I had two and they were strong as hell. I really should have had one because I felt like one had the power of two, but I was like, oh, I'm on vacation. And it was walking around the mall kind of drunk. It was fine. I wasn't by myself. 
but I've also been up since 5 a.m. It was a season finale for my favorite show, Reasonable Doubt. Because it aired earlier today, and I know folks got like, you know, jobs and things to do. And so I and so I don't want to spoil anything. I don't want to give anything away. Somebody spoiled a, a, a something that happened in um, Wakanda forever for me. And I immediately blocked them. But I was like, yo, you just really, you know, you were being cute and you thought it was funny, but you really kind of ruined part of the experience for me. So I don't want to do that to other people. But if you have not watched the season finale for Reasonable Doubt, I suggest you do so with haste because the spoilers are many. We do find out who killed Kalisha and we do find out who tied Jax up. I have so much that I want to say about that, but I don't want to give anything away. So I'll do a recap on my social so we can discuss it and people can have a choice whether to engage with the spoilers or not. I like to give it 24 hours for people at least to get a chance to to catch up. But it's good. But also, no, I'm not going to say anything else. I'm just going to leave it at that. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch it with haste. Sexy black men are having a good week. No, I'm going to do something out of order. Put a pin in sexy black men. We're going to come back to them. I want to talk about Angela Bassett. She won the Glamour. Was it the Lifetime Achievement Award? It was. But Glamour had its annual Women of the Year ceremony on November 1st. So I'm very late talking about this. I kept having it in my list of things to talk about. And I just kept pushing it and pushing it. And so here we are two weeks later and I didn't mention it. As much as I love Angela Bassett and want her to have all her flowers, because Lord knows as many awards as she has, she should have a few more. One of them being an Oscar. But she received the Lifetime Achievement Award and she gave a very beautiful speech about the women in her life who have shaped her. She talked about her mother, Betty Jane. She talked about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She talked about Tina Turner. She talked about Bessie Coleman, who was the first black and Native American woman pilot. She talked about Rosa Parks. She talked about Mamie Till, Emmett Till's mother. Um, It was a really beautiful speech. If you haven't had a chance to read it, they have the speech in its entirety on the website. Literally, you can Google Glamour, Angela Bassett, Women of the Year speech, and the whole thing comes up. That's how I found it. I love her. I love her. Ugh. I also loved her in Black Panther. I also loved her in Black Panther or Wakanda Forever. I loved her in both, but I saw Wakanda Forever. I told you I was going to go see it wherever I was in the world. I said, opening weekend, I'm going to see Wakanda Forever. So I was in Abidjan. And I went to see Wakanda forever. I didn't understand most of it, except the parts that were in Spanish. I can speak Spanish. I speak Spanish pretty fluently now. French, not so much. All the French that I was learning, come to find out, it really wasn't all that useful. But I watched the film and I think I kept up with most of it. I'll watch it again when I get back to Accra so I can see it in English. But just from what I saw, the context clues and the actual acting, I don't know exactly what all the conflicts and one-liners were. But if folks are good actors, I can, I, you can pick up on the emotion or the sense that there is conflict or confusion or humor or happiness or joy or grief. Wakanda Forever is full of great, Wakanda Forever is full of great actors who were able to convey all of those things. So I think I got what I needed to out of the film. I'll let you know when I see it again in English. Once I see it in English, I'll let you know how, how well I was able to follow along. But I thought it was an amazing film. I thought Angela Bassett was amazing. She has a much bigger role. And again, I'm not going to give spoilers because I understand everybody didn't get a chance to see it. And I appreciate especially that there were premieres 
weeks in advance of the film actually coming out. And I didn't get, I got one spoiler. Somebody wrote into me and told me who the new Black Panther was, which pissed me off to no greater end. But there's a couple other big moments in the film. When they happened, I was completely shocked that those spoilers had not come out on social media. And I appreciated it. So I don't want to spoil it for anyone else. I want other people to be able to go in blind and see and enjoy the film in the same way I did. But it was really good. And I think if it's really good in a whole different language that I don't understand, that's a testament to how really good the film is. I think I read somewhere it's done 330 million already. Let me see. Wakanda Forever opening. Let's see. I'm reading this on Variety. It definitely came in number one which I think everyone expected. Okay, I'm reading this on Variety. It says it did 181 million in North America and it generated 150 million internationally, bringing its global tally to a staggering 331 million. Variety notes that it fell short of its predecessor, Black Panther, which did 202 million for its domestic debut. So it was off by 20 million. Variety goes on to note that there were many challenges facing Wakanda forever, um, including its runtime. So it was two hours and 41 minutes. I told you I didn't care how long that film was. I was like, you can go a full three hours and I'm fine. They also talked about the, the dramatically altered movie going landscape because of COVID. And then obviously the loss of Chadwick Boseman who died in 2020 after a battle with colon cancer. It also notes that the sequel will probably not hit the same numbers as the first one for all of those reasons, but also because there are two major overseas markets, China and Russia, that won't be showing the film. Speaking of sequels, this wasn't even something that was on my list of things to talk about. It was just a, a relatively minor thing. Creed 3. I'm excited about Creed 3. We've talked multiple times about Creed 3 but also about Creed 1 and 2 that I used to watch and, you know, cry all the time. I'm obsessed with, you know, Michael B. Jordan's body, yes, but I like his relationship with his girlfriend, then fiance, now wife, in the film. And I just think the two films have had really strong storylines. So I saw this article the other day, and the headline was something about Sylvester Stallone saying that Creed 3 was unfortunate. Let me see if I can pull that up because I don't think unfortunate is the exact word that he used. I want to use the language that he used to make sure I'm accurate. Hold on. Creed 3, Sylvester Stallone. He didn't have nice things to say about it. He's also not involved in it. So that may have something to do with it, which is weird because, you know, Rocky is his baby. But he's gone as far as to say, I'm reading this right now. He's gone as far to say that he'll never watch Creed 3. Oh, he called it. This is the quote. He said it's a regretful situation. And so I thought maybe he was critiquing the content of the film, which he kind of was. Sylvester Stallone doesn't like the way that the storyline is set up for Creed 3, which, which comes out March 3rd, 2003. He did this interview with The Hollywood Reporter. THR be getting all the good stuff. Also, Sylvester Stallone looks really good. He's got like full gray hair. 
He doesn't look like the old guy that he looks like in the Creed films. He's 76. He looks really good. Also notable, he's got a feature in The Hollywood Reporter, but it's also the cover story of The Hollywood Reporter. Let's find this bit about Creed. Sylvester Stallone explains he's, he took a deal that was done, he says it was done unbeknownst to me by people I thought were close to me. And they basically gave away whatever rights I would have had to Rocky. He said, at the time, I was so excited to be working and I didn't understand this is a business. Who knew Rocky would go on for another 45 years? I've never used one line of dialogue from anyone else. And the irony is that I don't own any of it. The people who have done literally nothing control it. He goes on to say, they, I'm going to assume producers or the people who actually own Rocky, wanted to do another Rocky. I think that's Creed 3. And he says, I was willing to do it, but I said, after 45 years, can we change the playing field a little bit? Level it out. Can't I get a piece of what I created all those years ago? And essentially they said, no. And so Hollywood Reporter asked for clarity and they said, you wanted a piece retroactively of the other movies that have been done from Rocky, the spinoffs, all of that. And he says, no, just from now on. He said, I just want a piece. He said, I don't want to control it. If I write it and the studio agrees to do it, it's done. You can't make a Rocky sequel just because you want your children to have a job. Or if you don't get more money, then you can block it. He also goes on to say that he's not an executive producer on any of the Creed movies. He says, Ryan Coogler is... Michael B. Jordan is, the children of a couple producers are, not my children. I'm the only one that's left out. And this is where the quote comes in. The interviewer asked, is it going to be weird for you to see Creed 3 without being in the film? Sylvester Stallone says, that's a regretful situation because I know what it could have been. It was taken in a direction that is quite different than I would have taken it. It's a different philosophy. Michael B. Jordan's. I wish him well, but I'm much more of a sentimentalist. I like my heroes getting beat up, but I just don't want them going into that dark space. I just feel people have enough darkness. Yeah, okay. So I totally get why he's upset and I totally get why he spoke out. But I'm going to go see Creed 3, like hell or high water. I'm going to go see Michael B. Jordan. And more importantly, because this brings us full circle. Here we go. More importantly, I'm going to see Jonathan Majors take his shirt off. We did a whole section on the podcast about that when it first came out. His body looks fucking amazing. And I'm going to see it in HD on a big ass screen. And I'm going to feel real good about it. Where will I be in March? I'll be in South Africa in March. I'm going to see it somewhere. I'm going to figure that out. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, 
Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Speaking of Jonathan Majors, he went to see the Jenny, Jennifer Hudson, on her talk show. Somebody sent me the clip earlier today. He's just a charming motherfucker. He really is. He brought Jennifer some popcorn. I think it's that good Chicago popcorn. I'm just, I don't need all the extra fancy stuff on my popcorn. Just give me some butter and I'm good to go. But Chicago likes their popcorn with a little razzle-dazzle. That's fine to each their own. But he brought Jenny some popcorn and she was just so, (laughs) I think even if he hadn't brought her popcorn, she was going to act a fool. But Jenny acted exactly how I would act if Jonathan Majors came and sat in front of me on a couch. Like she was a whole giggly, silly, happy mess. And I was like, yep, that's exactly what I would be. She did everything but pet him. I would have got a feeling. He could have charged him with sexual harassment afterward, but I'm going to touch something. He could call me out. He could meet to me afterward. I'll apologize. I'll send roses. I, and I'll cop to it. I'd be like, you know what? I did it. I did it. I, I was I was immature. I was wrong. And, and I need help. But if I see him, I would do it again. I'm just saying. He fine, fine. And wide, wide. I'm just saying. Just saying. You know who else was really cute on talk shows? Method Man. What's Method Man's real name? It's Clifford. Is it Clifford Smith? You think as big a fan I am as this man, I would know his real name. Clifford Smith Jr. Fine ass. His picture just popped up and my, my heart just fluttered just a little bit. Shout out to his wife, Tamika Smith. If Tamika ever popped on me to beat my ass, she would be well within her rights. Because I talk about her husband like he is not a married man. If she came up on me and you're there, let her get the first hit in. She deserves that. She deserves that. I mean, after that, I'm going to have to fight back. I can't just let you whip my ass. She gets one hit. She deserves that. Because I, I openly lust for her husband. And I'm wrong. I'm wrong. And I'm about to continue this segment and do it anyway. Method Man showed up on Sherry. All the blogs have been talking about how he walked out and it was like a three minute ovation. People just would not stop screaming. And I was like, I would have been one of them. I should be in the audience with Sherry. When I am back in the country, I should go visit the Sherry show. One of my dear, dear, dear friends is the executive producer. I'm like, sir, I need tickets. Is Method Man on the lineup? Again, bring him back. Then he showed up in Sherry. He had on this cream sweater. And in general, I don't like men in cream sweaters. It's just like not my thing. It just reads as very 90s to me. But I also fell in love with him in the 90s. And so, you know, if he wants to break out the cream sweater, he could wear like anything. I don't care. It's Method Man. M-E-T-H-O-D, man. Like, I love him. He's so beautiful. And got the nerve to have like a bit of common sense and not say dumb shit and also act like a grown ass man. I mean, like he's fine, fine. But he's not trying to like dress like a 20-year-old or talk like one or act like one or embarrass himself like one. He's just fine and grown. Ugh. Speaking of fine and grown, I still haven't listened to this Nas album, King's Disease 3. I should have listened to it on the treadmill today. I was listening to Jasmine Sullivan, though. Before next episode, I will listen to this Nas album because everybody is talking about how good it is. I mean, everybody except 21 Savage, who said something like Nas is not relevant. And I was like, who, who are you? Who are you? Who, literally, who are you? I know Nas's name from like, I don't know what, 30 years ago at this point. You, you nigga, I can't pick you out of a lineup. Who are you? 
having the nerve to talk about somebody's relevance. Like, I know you're on this new album with Drake, but I still had to ask, like, who is 21 Savage? Are you big enough to have an album with Drake? Like, I just, I don't know who you are. So maybe, like, in a sense, like, maybe Nas is not relevant to, like, a 20-something-year-old. I'm 43. 21 Savage is not relevant to me. It's all a matter of audience and perspective, I suppose. But King's Disease is getting amazing reviews. People are comparing it to King's Disease 2, and they're like, yo, it's on par, if not better. I was like, better than King's Disease 2? Is there such a thing? And they're like, Nas has dominated the market and, like, grown folks rap. So, like... People who grew up on hip hop, who still like hip hop, but can't listen to 21 Savage and the other mumble rappers because you're like, what the fuck are they talking about? Even if you understand through all the mumbling what they're saying. Oh, my God, I sound like my mom. I used to play like the raunchiest of hip hop in front of my mom. And I could do so because she didn't understand what they were saying. And she was like, they don't enunciate. You can't understand what they're saying. And here I am talking about mumble rappers. Oh, God, I'm an old. And still, I ain't listening to that shit. I'd rather be old than listen to a bunch of people and bumble about nonsense. I'm good. I'll be old. I'm, if I, it makes me auntie, I'm fine. I prefer it. Separate me from the youth and tell the motherfuckers to get off my lawn. Shit. <sighs> they talked about season finale of Reasonable Doubt. Oh, The Crown. I finished The Crown. It wasn't that good in the end. It was a good season. It was a strong season. But there were two episodes that I was like, I could completely do without this. And I feel like they left it off with Diana and Charles getting divorced, which, you know, the season was about, you know, their marriage, like going through all this tumultuous shit, which they left a lot out. I mean, there was a lot in if you watch The Crown, like there were some things I didn't know about, like Charles telling his mistress that he wanted to be her tampon so he could always be in her. And I was like, were you trying to be sexy? Like, what was that? I didn't remember that from when it happened. Like, I was just really young. It just didn't pop on my radar. Like, I, it just didn't pop on my radar. I knew there were scandals and dramas, but I just don't remember that one. But The Crown completely left out that Diana had her own affair. I can't remember who it was with, but I remember the story. But they just completely skipped over that. And they just had, like, some perspectives on Diana that I just don't quite remember. But I guess they were talking about perspectives in the U.K., versus perspectives in America. We just talked about that, like perspective matters. But The Crown takes the position that after Diana did that interview with Martin Brashear, where she talked about there were three people in her marriage, um, The Crown says that the public turned on her for being disloyal and talking about her family, essentially, in the media. It said people turned on her. And I was like, really? Because I was like, that was when I remember everyone sort of like rallying behind Diana. Again, that could be my American perspective as opposed to the British. I felt like they kind of, and it was a drawn out affair, no less, but just in terms of like telling the story, I felt like they just drew it out in the last couple episodes, especially the last one, longer than it needed to be. I don't know. It was still a strong season, but I thought, you know, from the first four or five episodes of season five, that it was going to turn out to be like the best season of The Crown because it was tracking for it even better than season four, which was amazing. I don't feel like the last, I don't know, two episodes, and there was one in between that was about Philip, who's like in his 70s or early 80s, having an emotional affair with a woman who's in her 40s, something like that. And I was like, I mean, I, I feel you. It's important, you know, fair to cover because you've been married to somebody for 40 some odd years and 
It's a long time, you know, for the thrill not to go. Like, it's important subject matter. I just, I just didn't care, to be quite honest. But it was still a strong season. If you haven't finished watching it or you haven't begun watching it, I would highly recommend this season of The Crown. It's just not like, you know, the best ever. Season four is still the best to me. I think that's it. There's other stuff we could talk about. I told you before I want to talk about the girl who who like said nigger with the ER for like 10 minutes who got kicked out of the University of Kentucky. I still want to talk about it. I just don't want to talk about it today. There's also a shooting at UVA. I had no idea until that shooting happened how many people I follow that went to UVA, uh, which makes sense. You know, like I'm from the DMV, but a lot, I, did, I just didn't know. Like my whole timeline was people being like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened in my alma mater. And I was like, you went to UVA, too? I don't know all the details yet. That's why I don't want to talk about it. That wasn't what I wanted to end the episode on, but that's what we ended it on. I'll be back on Friday. Will I still be in Dakar? Yeah, I will. I'm going to a couple museums to learn um, some more history about Dakar. I'm obsessed with African masks now. I find all these history and art museums so I can go look at masks. And Senegal is another place, like Abidjan. Like Abidjan is super, super arty. Senegal is very, very artsy too. All right. That's not everything, but that's a lot of things. We covered a lot. So I'll be back on Friday. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>